Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of Reading Harry Potter with a 12 year old. Today we are going to be reading uh, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets Chapter 7 My Blunt and Murmurs. Um, something very interesting happens in this chapter. It's quite funny. Uh, but no spoilers for now. But as it always is with Harry Potter, something funny happens. So we're just going to get into this uh, straight away. No distractions, um, no spoilers. Let's get right into it. Okay, let's get started. Chapter 7, Mudbloods and Murmurs. Harry spent a lot of time over the next few days dodging out of sight whenever he saw Gilderoy Lockhart coming down a corridor. Harder to avoid was Colin Creevy, who seemed to have memorised Harry's timetable. Nothing seemed to give Colin a bigger thrill than to say, All right, Harry, six or seven times a day and hear, hello, Colin, back, however exasperated Harry sounded when he said it. Hedwig was still angry about the disastrous car journey, with ha- um, and Ron's wand was still malfunctioning. So passing itself on Friday morning by shooting out of Ron's hands in charms, and hitting tiny old Professor Flitwick squarely between the eyes, creating a large, throbbing green boil where it had struck. So, with one thing or another, Harry was quite glad to have reached the weekend. He, Ron and Hermione were planning to wi- um. He, Ron and Hermione were planning to visit Hagrid on Saturday morning. Harry, however, was shaken awake er- several hours earlier than he would have liked to by Oliver Wood, the captain of the Gryffindor Quidditch team. "What's the matter?" said Harry groggily. "Quidditch practice," said Wood. "Come on now." Harry squinted at the window. There was a thin mist hanging across the pink and gold sky. Now that he was awake, he couldn't understand how he could have slept through the racket that the birds were making. Oliver, Harry croaked. It's the crack of dawn. Exactly, said Wood. He was ta- he was a tall and burly six-year, and, at the moment, his eyes were gleaming with mad enthusiasm. It's part of our new training program. Grab your broom, come on, and let's go said Wood heartily. None of the other teams have started training yet. We're going to be first off the mark this year. Yawning and and shivering slightly, Harry climbed out of bed and tried to find his Quidditch robes. Good man, said Wood. Meet you on the Quidditch pitch in 15 minutes. When he'd found his scarlet team robes and pulled on his cloak for warmth, Harry scribbled a note to Ron explaining where he'd gone and went down to the spiral staircase in the common room his Nimbus 2000 on his shoulder. He had just reached the portrait hole when there was a clatter behind him, and Colin Creevy came dashing down the staircase, his camera swinging madly around his neck, and something clutched in his hand. Harry, uh, uh, I heard someone saying your name on the staircase, Harry. Look what I've got here. I've had it developed. I wanted to show you. Harry looked bemusedly at the photo Colin was brandishing underneath his nose. A moving black and white Lockhart was tugging hard on an arm Harry recognised as his own. He was pleased to see that his photo's photographic self was putting up a good fight and refusing to be dragged into view. As Harry watched, Lockhart gave up and slumped, panting, against the white edge of the picture. Will you sign it? said Colin eagerly. No, said Harry flatly, glancing around to check that the room was really deserted. Sorry, Colin, I'm, I'm in a hurry. Quidditch practice. He climbed through the portrait hole. 
Oh, wow. Wait for me. I've never watched a Quidditch game before. Harry, uh, Colin scrambled through the hall after him. It'll be really boring, said Harry quickly, but Colin ignored him, his face shining with excitement. You were the youngest house player in a hundred years, weren't you, Harry? Weren't you? Said Colin, trotting alongside him. You must be brilliant. I've never flown. Is it easy? Is that your own broom? Is that the best one there is? Harry didn't know how to get rid of him. It was like having an extremely talkative shadow. I don't really understand, Quidditch, said Colin breathlessly. Is it true that there are four balls, and two of them fly around trying to knock people off their brooms? Yes, said Harry heavily, resigned to, and resigned to... If, blah, blah. Yes, said Harry heavily, resigned to explaining the complicated rules of Quidditch. They're called bludgers. There are two beaters on each team who carry clubs and beat the budges, bludgers away from their side. Fred and George Weasley are the Gryffindor beaters. And what are the other balls for? said Colin, tripping down on a couple of steps because his, he was gazing open-mouthed at Harry. Well, the quaffle, that, that's the biggest red one, is the one that scores goals. Three chasers on each team try to throw the quaffle to each other and try to get it through the goalpost at the end of each pitch. They're three long poles with hoops on each on the end. And the fourth ball is the golden snitch, said Harry. And it's very small, very fast, and difficult to catch. That's what the seeker's got to do. Because a game of Quidditch doesn't end until the, kitch, the snitch has been caught. And whoever's team seek, whoever teams, and whichever team's seeker gets the snitch and earns his team an extra 150 points. And you're the Gryffindor seeker, aren't you? said Colin in awe. Yes, said Harry, as they left the castle and started on the dew-drenched grass. And there's the keeper too. He guards the goalposts. That's it, really. But Colin didn't stop questioning Harry all the way down the sloping lawns to the Quidditch pitch, and Harry only shook him off when he reached the changing rooms. Colin called after him in a piping voice. I'll go and get a good seat, Harry, and hurried off into the stands. The rest of the Gryffindor team were already in the changing room. Ron uh, Wood was the only person who looked truly awake. Our Fred and George Weasley were sitting puffy-eyed in Tussle head next to a fourth-year Alisa Spinnett, who seemed to be nodding off against the wall behind her. Her fellow chasers, Katie Bell and Angelina Johnson, were yawning side-by-side side opposite them. "'There you are, Harry. What kept you?' said Wood briskly. Now, I wanted a quick talk with all of you until we get onto the pitch, because I spent the summer devising a whole new training program, which I think will really make the difference. All the difference. Sorry, I just need some water there. Wood was holding up a large diagram of the Quidditch pitch, and which were drawn many lines, arrows, and in different, uh, and in different coloured inks. He took out his wand, tapped the board, and arrows began to wiggle all over the diagram, like caterpillars. As Wood launched into a speech about new tactics, Fred, Fred's head drooped right into Andalina's, Alicia Spinnett's shoulder, and he began to snore. The first board took nearly 20 minutes to explain, but there was another board under that, and a third under that. Harry sank into a stupor as Wood droned on and on. I can't get the page. There we go. So, said Wood, um, at, at long last, jerking Harry from a wistful fantasy about what he'd been eating from breakfast at, up at the castle this very moment. 
Is that clear? Any questions? I've got a question, Oliver, said George, who had woken with a start. Why couldn't you have told this yesterday, when we were all awake? Wood wasn't pleased. Now, listen here, you lot, he said, glaring at them. We should have won the Quidditch Cup last year. We're easily the best team. But, unfortunately, owing to circumstances beyond our control, Harry shifted guiltily in his seat. In his seat. Harry shifted guiltily in his seat. He had been unconscious in the in the hospital wing for the final match of the previous year, meaning that Gryffindor had been a player short and were, and had suffered their worst defeat in three hundred years. Wood took a moment to regain himself of him, regain control of himself. Their defeat last year was clearly still torturing them. So this year we train harder and ever we've trained harder than ever before. Okay. Let's go and put our new theories into practice, Wood shouted, seizing his broomstick and leading all the way out of the changing rooms. Stiff-legged and still yawning, his team followed. They had been up into the changing room so, so long that the sun was up properly now, although remnants of the mist hung over the grass in the stadium. As Harry walked onto the pitch, he saw Har Ron and Hermione finishing in the, uh, uh, sitting in the stands. Aren't you finished yet? Ron called incredulously. Haven't even started, said um, Harry, looking jealously at the toast and marmalade that Harry, uh, that Ron and Hermione had brought out of the Great Hall. Wood's been teaching us new moves. He mounted his broomstick, kicked up at the ground, and um, kicked off the ground, soaring into the air. The cool morning air whipped his face, waking him far more effectively than Wood's long talk. It felt wonderful to be back on the Quidditch pitch. He saw right around the stadium at full speed, racing Fred and George. What's that funny clicking noise? called Fred as they hurtled around the corner. Um, Harry looked, looked into the stands. Colin was sitting on one of the highest seats, his camera raised, taking picture after picture, the sound strangely magnified in the deserted stadium. Look this way, Harry, this way! he cried shrilly. Who's that? No idea, Harry lied, putting on a spurt of speed that took him as far away as, as possible from Colin. What's going on? said Wood, frowning. He skimmed through the air towards them. Why is that first year taking pictures? I don't like it. He could be a Slytherin spy. He could be trying to find out about our new training program. He's in Gryffindor, said Harry quickly. And the Slytherins don't need a spy, Oliver, said George. What makes you say that? said Wood testily. Because they're here in person, said George, pointing. Several people in green robes walk, walking onto the pitch, several people in green robes were walking onto the pitch, broomsticks in their hands. I don't believe it. Wood hissed in outrage. I booked for the pitch for today. We'll see about this. Wood shot towards the ground, landing harder than he'd meant to in his anger, and staggering slightly as, his, as he dismounted. Harry, Fred, and George followed. Flint! Wood bellowed at the Slytherin captain. This is our practice time. We got up specially. You can clear off now. Marcus Flint was even larger than Wood. He had a trollish he had a look of trollish cutting on his face, and as he replied, plenty of room for all of us, Wood. Angelina, Alicia, and Katie had come over too. There were no girls on the Slytherin team. Who stood shoulder to shoulder, facing the Gryffindors, leering to a man. 
but I booked the pitch, said Woods, positively spitting with rage. I booked it. Ah, said Flint, but I've got a specially signed note from Professor Snape. I, Professor S. Snape, can give the Slytherin team permission to practice today on the Quidditch pitch, owing to their need to train their new seeker. You've got a new seeker, said Wood distracted. Where? And from the seven, uh, and from the six large figures before them came a seventh smaller boy, who was smirking all over his pale pointed face. It was Draco Malfoy. Aren't you Lucius's Malfoy's son? Said Fred, looking at Malfoy with dislike. Funny you should mention Draco's father, said Flint, as the Slytherin team um, smiled still more broadly. Let me show you the generous gift he's made to Slytherin's team. All seven, all seven of them held out their broomsticks, seven highly polished, brand new and se- um new handles, and seven sets of and uh, fine gold lettering spelling the words Nimbus two thousand and one, gleamed under the Gryffindors' noses in the early morning sun. Very latest model only came out last month," said Flint carelessly flicking a speck of dust from the end of his own. I believe it outstrips the old two thousand and um, the old two thousand series by a considerable amount. As for the old clean sweeps, he smiled nastily at Fred and George, who were both clutching Queen's it clean sweeps clean sweeps fives. Yeah, I can't say it. Clean sweep fives. Sweeps the board with them. None None of the Gryffindor team could think. None of the Gryffindor team could think of anything to say for a moment. Malfoy was smirking, smirking so broadly his cold eyes were reduced to slits. Oh look," said Flint. "A pitch invasion." Ron and Hermione were crossing the grass to see what was going on. "What's happening?" said Ron. Ron asked Harry. "Why aren't you playing? And what's he doing here?" He was looking at Malfoy, taking in the Quidditch. Slytherin Quidditch runs. I'm this new Slytherin seeker, Weasley, said Malfoy smugly. Everyone's just been admiring the brooms my father bought us for our team. Ron gaped, open-mouthed, at the seven superb broomsticks in front of him. Good, aren't they? said Malfoy smoothly. But perhaps the Gryffindor team will be able to raise you some new... uh, but perhaps the Gryffindor team will be able to raise some gold and get you new brooms too. I bet you could raffle off those clean sweep fives. I expect the museum would bid for them. The Slytherin team howled with laughter. At least no one in the Gryffindor team had to buy their way in, said Hermione sharply. They got it in on pure talent. The smug look on Malfoy's face flickered. No one asked for your opinion, you filthy little mudblood. He spat. Malfoy knew at once that uh, Harry knew at once that Malfoy had said something really bad, because there was an instant uproar at once. Flint had to dive in front of Malfoy to stop Fred and George jumping on him. Alicia shrieked, "How dare you!" And Ron pulled out his hand and right into his robes, and pulled out his wand, yelling, "You'll pay for that one, Malfoy!" And pointed the wand furiously under Flint. Flint's arms and Malfoy's face. A loud bang echoed around the stadium, and a jet of green light shot out of the wrong end of Ron's face. 
uh, out of Ron's wand, hitting him in the stomach and sending him reeling back, uh, backwards onto the grass. Ron, Ron, are you alright? squealed Hermione. Ron opened his mouth to speak, but no words came out. Instead, he gave out an almighty belch, and several slugs dribbled out of his mouth and onto his lap. The Slytherin team were paralyzed with laughter. Flint was doubled up, hanging onto his new broomstick for support. Malfoy was on all fours, banging the ground with his fist. The Gryffindors were gathered around Ron, who kept belting large, glistening slugs. No one seemed to want to touch him. We'd better get him to Hagrid's. It's the nearest, said Harry to Hermione, who nodded bravely, and the pair of them pulled Ron up by the arms. What happened, Harry? Can you, can you, uh, what happened? Is he ill? But you can cure him, can't you? Colin had run down from the scene and was now dancing alongside as they left the Quidditch pitch. Ron gave a huge heave and dribbled more slugs down his front. Ooh, said Colin, fascinated and raising his camera. Can you hold him still, Harry? Get out of the way, Colin, said Harry angrily. He and Hermione supported Ron or outward, out of the stadium towards the grounds near towards the end of the forest. Nearly there, Ron, said Hermione, as the gamekeeper's cabin came into view. You'll be there in a right, you'll be all right in a minute, almost there. There were... <sighs> Sorry, guys, just stretching. They were within 20 feet of Hagrid's house when the front door opened, but it wasn't Hagrid. It was Gilderoy Lockhart who emerged. Um, it was Gilderoy Lockhart who had emerged, wearing the robes of palest Maeve today, came out striding... Um, came, who came striding out. Quick, behind here, Harry hissed, dragging Ron into a nearby bush. Hermione followed, somewhat reluctantly. It's a simple matter if you know what you're doing, Ron uh, Lockhart was saying loudly to Hagrid. If you need any help, you know where I am. I'll let you have a copy of my book. I'm surprised you haven't got one already. Well, I'll sign one tonight and send it over. Well, goodbye then. He strode away, and then he strode away to the castle. Harry, uh, Harry waited until Lockhart was out of sight, then pulled Ron out of the bush and up to Hagrid's front door. They knocked urgently. Hagrid's face appeared at once, looking very crumpy, but his expression brightened when he saw who it was. Been wondering when you'd come down to see me. Come in, come in. Thought you might have been uh, Professor Lockhart back again. Harry and Hermione supported Ron over the threshold into the one-roomed cabin, which had an enormous bed in one corner, a fire crackling merrily in the other. Hermione, uh, Hagrid didn't seem perturbed by Ron's thug problem, which Harry hastily explained as he lowered Ron into a chair. Better out than in, he said cheerfully, plunking up a large copper basin in front of him. Get them all out, Ron. I don't think there's anything he can do, except wait for them to stop said Hermione, um, anxiously, bending, watching over Ron at the end of the basin. That's a difficult curse to work at all, at the best of times, but with a broken wand. Hagrid was bustling around, making them tea. His boarhound, Fang, was slobbering all over Harry. What did Lockhart want with you, Hagrid? Harry asked, scratching Fang's ears. Well, given me a, um... Giving me advice on getting Kelpies out of the well, growled Hagrid, moving a half-plucked rooster off his scrub table and setting down his pot. Like, I don't know. And banging on about some banshee he banished. If one word of it was true, I'll eat my kettle. 
It was most unlike Hagrid to criticise a Hogwarts teacher, and Harry looked at him in surprise. Hermione, however, in a voice somewhat higher than usual, uh, said, I, I think you're being a bit unfair. Uh, Professor Dumbledore obviously thought he was the best man for the job. He was the only man for the job, said Hagrid, offering the paint, uh, offering, uh, blah, 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 offering them a plate of trickle toffee, which Ron coughed squelchily into the basin. No, no, while Ron's coughed squelchily into the basin. And I mean, the only one. Getting very, uh, getting very difficult to find anyone for the um, dark arts job. People aren't too keen to take it on, you see? They're starting to think it's jinxed. No one's lasted for a while now. So tell me, said Hagrid, jerking his head at Ron. Who was he trying to curse? Malfoy called Hermione something. Malfoy called Hermione something. It must have been really bad, because everyone went mad. That rhymed. That's weird. It was bad, said Ron hoarsely, emerging from the tabletop, um, looking pale and sweaty. Malfoy calls her mudblood, Hagrid. Ron dived out of sight again as a fresh wave of slugs made their appearance. Hagrid looked outraged. He didn't, growled, he growled at Hermione. I, he did, she said, but I, I don't really know what that means. I, I could tell it was really rude, of course. That's the most insulting thing any he could think of, gasped Ron, coming back up. Malfoy's Mal, mudblood's a really foul name for someone who is muggle-born. You know, non-magic parents. There are some wizards, like the Malfoy family, who think they're better than everyone else just because they're, pe what, they're what people call pure blood. He gave a small burp, and a single slug fell into his outstretched hand. He threw it into the basin and continued. I mean, the rest of us don't, don't, doesn't, um, the rest of us know it doesn't make any difference at all. Look at Neville Longbottom. He's pure blood, and he can hardly, hardly stand up with cauldron the right way. And they haven't invented a spell Al Hermione can't do, said Hagrid proudly, making Hermione grow a brilliant shade of magenta. It's a disgusting thing to call someone, said Ron, wiping his sweaty, his sweaty brow with a shaking... Sorry, I think my sister's... Give me a sec, guys. Go away, mother. No, thank you. Goodbye. Okay, sorry about that. Um, what was I up to? It's a disgusting thing to call someone," said Ron, wiping away his, his wiping his sweaty brow his sweaty brow with a shaking hand. Dirty blood, see, common blood. It's mad. Most of the wizards these um these days are half blood anyway. If we hadn't married Muggles, we would have died out. He retched and ducked out of sight again. Well, I don't blame you for trying to curse him, Ron said Hagrid loudly over the thuds of more slugs hitting the basin. But maybe it was a good thing your one backfired. Suspect Lucius Malfoy would have come up marching to the school if he cursed his son. At least you're not in trouble. Harry would have pointed out that trouble didn't come much worse than having slugs pouring out of your mouth, but he couldn't. Hagrid's trickle t um trickle what am I up to? Ha Hagrid's trickle toffee had cemented his jaws together. Harry, said Hagrid suddenly, as though struck by a sudden thought. Um, got a bone to pick with ya. I've heard you've been given out signed photos. How come I haven't got one? Furious, Hagrid, uh, Harry wrenched his teeth apart. 
I have not been giving out signed photos, he said hotly. If Lockhart's still putting that about... But then he saw Hagrid was laughing. I'm only joking, said Hagrid. He said, patting Hagrid genius... Ha pa blah, blah, blah. I'm only joking, said... Ha um, he said genially. What am I up to? Yeah. Uh, I'm only joking, he said, and patting Harry genially on the back and sending him face first into the table. I knew you hadn't really. I told Lockhart you didn't need to. You're more famous than him without trying. But he didn't like that, said Harry, sitting up and rubbing his chin. I don't think he did, said Hagrid, his eyes twinkling. And then I told him I had never read one of his books, and he decided to go. Trickle toffee, Ron, he, sa he added as Ron reappeared. No, no thanks, said Ron weakly. Better not risk it. Come and see what I've been growing, um, said Hagrid, as Ron and Hermione finished the last of their tea. In the small vegetable patch behind Hagrid's house were a dozen of the largest pumpkins Harry had ever seen. Each one was the size of a boulder. Getting on well, aren't they? said Hagrid happily. For the Halloween feast should be big enough by then. What have you been feeding them? said Harry. Uh, well, uh, what am I up to? Oh, yeah, Hagrid looked over his shoulders to check that they were alone. Well, I've been giving them, you know, a, a bit of help. Harry noticed uh, Hagrid's flowery, flowery pink umbrella leaning against the back of the wall, back wall of the cabin. Harry had reason to believe that before now, this umbrella was not at all what, uh, what it looked. In fact, he had a strong impression that Hagrid's old old school one was concealed inside it. Hagrid wasn't supposed to use magic. He had been expelled from uh, Hogwarts in his third year, but Harry had never found out why. Any mention of the matter, and Hagrid was clear his throat loudly and become mysteriously deaf until the subject changed. An engorgement charm, I suppose? Uh, said Hermione, halfway between disapproval and amusement. Well, you've done a good job on them. That's what your little sister said, um, said Hagrid, pointing at Ron. Met her just yesterday. Hagrid looked sideways at Harry, his beard twitching. Said she was just looking round the grounds, but I was I reckon she was hoping to run into someone else at my house. She He winked at Harry. If you ask me, she wouldn't say no to a signed... Oh, shut up, said Harry, as Ron snorted with laughter and the ground was sprayed with slugs. Watch it! Hagrid roared, pulling a run away from his precious pumpkins. It was it was nearly lunchtime, and Harry had only one bit of trickle toffee since dawn, so he was keen to go back to the school to eat. They had said goodbye to Hagrid and walked back up to the castle, Ron hiccoughing yeah, occasionally. Yep, okay. But only bringing up two very small slugs. They'd barely uh, set foot in the cool entrance hall when a voice rang out. There you are, Potter, Weasley. Professor McGonagall was walking towards them, looking stern. You will do both your detentions this evening. Well, what are we doing, Professor? Said Ron, uh, nervously suppressing a burp. You will be polishing the silver in the trophy room with Mr. Filch said Professor McGonagall, and no magic Weasley, elbow grease. Ron gulped. Argus Filch, the caretaker, 
was loathed by every student in this school. And Potter, you will be helping Professor Lockhart answer his fan mail, said Professor McGonagall. Oh, no, 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 can't, can't I go do the trophy room as well? Said uh, Harry desperately. Certainly not, said Professor McGonagall, raising her eyebrows. Professor Lockhart has respect has requested you particularly. Um, eight o'clock sharp, both of you. Harry and Ron had slouched into the great hall, wearing in uh in the great hall, in the states of the deepest gloom. Hermione behind them was wearing a well, you did break the school rules sort of expression. Harry didn't fancy shepherd's pie as much as he'd thought. Both he and Ron thought they'd got the worst deal. Filch will have me all there all night," said Ron heavily. "No magic. There must be about, uh, there must be about a hundred cups in that room. I'm no good at muggle cleaning. I'd swap any time," said Harry hollowly. "I've had loads of practice with the Dursleys, but answering Lockhart's fan mail—he'll be a nightmare." A Saturday afternoon seemed to melt away, and in what seemed like no time. It was five minutes to eight, and Harry was dragging his feet along the second um, second floor corridor to Lockhart's office. He gritted his teeth and knocked. The floor, the uh, the the door flew open at once. Lockhart beamed down at him. Ah, there's the scallywag, he said. Come in, Harry. Come in. Shining candles on the walls, by the um, shining uh, shining brightly on the walls. Of by the light of many candles with countless framed photographs of Lockhart. He had even signed a few of them. Another large pile lay on his desk. You can address the envelopes, Lockhart told Harry, uh, as though this was a huge treat. The first one's to Gadley's gudgeon. Bless her, a huge fan of mine. The minutes snailed by. Harry let Lockhart's voice wash over him occasionally, saying, Mmm and yeah and right now and now and again he caught a phrase like fame's a fickle friend harry or celebrity is as celebrity does remember that the candles burned lower and lower making the light dance over the many many uh moving faces of lockhart watching him harry moved his aching hand over what felt like the thousandth envelope Writing out Veronica Smithley's address. It must be time to leave, Harry thought miserably. Let it nearly be time. And then he heard something. Something quite apart from the spitting of the dying candles and Lockhart's prattle about his fans. It was a voice. A voice chilled to the bone. Chill, a voice chilled the bone marrow. I don't get that. It was a voice. A voice to chill bone marrow. A voice of breathtaking ice-cold venom. Come. Come to me. Let me rip you. Let me tear you. Let me kill you. Harry gave a huge jump, and a large lilac block, blot uh, appeared on Veronica Smithley's street. What? he said loudly. I know, said Lockhart. Six solid months. Sorry, it's not a voice. I know," said Lockhart. Six solid months at the top of the bestseller list broke all records. No," said Harry. Uh, said Harry frantically. That voice. Sorry," said Lockhart, looking puzzled. What voice? That that voice that just said. Didn't you hear it? 
Lockhart was looking at Harry in high astonishment. What are you talking about, Harry? Perhaps you've gotten a little drowsy? Great Scott, look at the time. We've been here for nearly four hours. I've never believed it. Time's flown, hasn't it? Harry didn't answer. He was straining his ears to listen for the voice again, but there was no sound now, except for Lockhart telling him that he mustn't expect a treat like this every time he got a detention. Feeling dazed, Harry left. It was so late that the Gryffindor common room was almost empty, and Harry went straight up to the dormitory. Harry, Ron wasn't back yet. Harry pulled on his pyjamas and he got into bed and waited. Half an hour later, Harry, uh, Ron arrived, nursing his right arm and bringing a, a strong smell of polish into the darkened room. All my muscles have seized up, he said. He groaned, sinking onto the bed. Fourteen times he made me buff up that quidditch cup before he was satisfied. And then I had another slug attack over, all over a special award for the services to school. Took ages to sift the slime. How was it with Lockhart? Keeping his voice low as to not awake shame, Neville, Dean and Seamus, Harry told Ron what he'd heard. And Lockhart couldn't hear it, said uh, Ron. Harry could see him frowning in the moonlight. Do you think he was lying? But I don't get it. Some, even someone invisible would have had to open the door. I, I know, said uh, Harry, lying back in his four-poster and staring at the canopy above him. I don't get it either. Okay, guys, uh, that is going to be all for this episode. I will be posting maybe one or two more episodes. Uh, it depends. Uh, but I hope you guys have enjoyed this chapter of reading Harry Potter with a 12-year-old. Um, I will see you guys in the next episode. Uh, take care. Bye for now.